7.35. Millennials. Self-care. Two buzzwords easily found online, and they seem to have a close correlation. Pew Research Center found in 2015, this new generation born from the early 80s to late 90s spends at least as much or twice as much as the previous generation on self-improvement plans like diets, life coaching, therapy. Where's this trend coming from? And what are some of the effective ways to carry out self-care, if you're interested. Uh, for more, we can now introduce Gracie Oberhowitz, self-care mentor and coach in Washington, D.C. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, this is like a free consultation. Um, but before we get into that, can you give us your definition of self-care? Yes. To me, there's a lot of things that look like self-care, but they're actually not self-care. So it can be a little confusing. And the way that even I get confused sometimes, but the way that I like to separate it out is that self-care is something that you do that makes you feel good in the moment, and then it makes you actually feel good the next day. So if you were to drink a glass of wine, in the moment that might feel good, but the next day you might feel hungover. But if you were to go to the gym or take a walk or go to bed early in the moment, it would feel good. And the next day, you would also be happy that you did that. One of the issues with self-care strategies that might even fall into the latter category in theory are that if we're bombarded by different techniques, they they can in themselves be very fleeting. Is there a way that we can make self-care last? Absolutely. Well, first of all, it's it's this idea that self-care, that we're always going to be learning more about self-care. We're always going to be learning to take better care of ourselves. And what I see that doesn't work is when people have this idea that they're going to wake up tomorrow morning and change everything about themselves. And so that's uh, the New Year's resolution or the big diets that you are going to go to the gym every day and you're going to be a whole new person. But what tends to happen with that is that we exhaust our willpower. And so anything that's sustainable with self-care, we have to not be relying on our willpower. And instead, we need to make very small changes, have very low expectations, and to choose self-care that we actually want to do instead of forcing ourselves to do the hard things. So just to continue to expand this definition... Uh, is it as broad as everything from going to the gym to sitting watching YouTube advice on how to improve yourself? I think so. I I think self-care, it has to work on a few different levels. So we have the physical self-care, like going to the gym, eating well, making sure you're getting enough sleep. But if you only do that and you're not doing anything to take care of the mental or emotional or spiritual parts of yourself, it's probably going to feel kind of empty and mechanical after a while. And if you're only meditating or talking to a therapist, but you're not taking care of your body, you're not going to feel great either. So it's finding the right balance between the physical self-care and then taking time to do the self-care like talking to talking to a friend who is supportive of you or going to church if that's self-care for you and finding finding the balance of those elements that makes you feel like you're thriving in your life. And, and I said that we're seeing millennials proven, actually, according to that research, to be spending more time and money on self-care. What's driving that, do you think? I think it's a lot of it is watching our parents so watching people who've worked really hard and have spent a lot of time 
on their jobs and making sure that they're earning enough money, but then sacrificing a lot of elements of themselves as well and, and maybe not having such a great expectation that they need to be happy. And it's something I know I heard a lot from my parents is like, you can do whatever you want, but just make sure that you're happy. And so we grew up with an expectation that we should feel happy and we should feel good. And if we're not feeling that way, that it's, it's worth taking time to investigate and see if we can feel better. Is there a danger, though, that this is the product of the cult of the individual that seems to have taken off uh, in a more public way at least but I, I guess all of us have had selfish instincts from the dawn of mankind but 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 it but it seems to be more shameless now I think it depends on how you define selfish because this idea I think first of all we're all selfish as human beings we're all going to do things that yeah. act in our own self-interest even if we're doing something to help somebody else but what I find is that somebody is exhausted, if somebody's stressed out, if someone is working too hard and not taking care of themselves, they usually don't have very much to offer anyone else anyways. And I know the people in my life that don't take very good care of themselves, they're not the people that I'm inspired by, and they're definitely not the people that I go to with my problems. And so by taking care of ourselves and maybe, yeah, being more selfish by setting boundaries, um, being, being careful who we spend our time with, what we want to eat, it gives us more energy that I find when I'm taking care of myself, I, I'm more able to help the people around me and I'm less distracted and I'm, I'm actually more present, which I think is one of the greatest ways that we can help the people around us is to just actually listen and pay attention. And, um, and what I found in my work is that when people take better care of themselves, it helps them to take more leadership in their communities and their work and actually create more than they were before. Maybe I can get onto the consultation part of this um, and ask you firstly whether you think it's necessary to actually pay for self-care or whether it's realistically possible to, to achieve many of these benefits literally on your own. I think it has to do with what we've been taught. And many cultures, I think, actually build a lot of self-care into their culture. And I've spent a lot of time in India and people there, I think there's people eat regular meals, they spend a lot of time with family, they walk, they drink water, and that's, that's built into their, their day. And I know that in the United States, especially in Washington, D.C., where people tend to push themselves too hard, people don't eat regular meals, people aren't going to the gym, they're confused about what to eat, are we eating all, all no carbs, are we eating all protein? And um, I think that, like you said at the beginning, like there's just a lot of information and people can get overwhelmed. And so sometimes it's helpful if you're not sure where to start to just invest and have someone walk you through the process. But some people, I think, have better role models and they know what to do. But there's always that interesting question of a lot of us know what to do and then we don't do it. And, and I think that when you know what to do and you're not doing it, that's when it's time to get some professional help. But, but even with a, a professional behind you, I mean, if you had a client come to you and say, you know, they're not sure what's best for them, whether they should go on a high fat, low protein diet or a high protein, low carb diet or a uh, intermittent fasting regime, what sort of approach they should take to exercise. Th there's a number of different roads that all lead, presumably, to a happy, healthy life. H how do you help someone choose the right one for them or a right one for them? I really believe that most people know what they need to be doing, but it's, 
sometimes it's hard to trust ourselves enough to actually do that thing. And, and, you know, we can get the perfect eating. And I know people who are, they go to the gym a few times a week, they eat really well, and they're still not happy people. So what I like to work with my clients on is, like, how do you first begin to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, of being able to stop being so hard on yourself? And a lot of people are very critical of themselves. They don't think they're doing a good enough job. So it's, it's starting to become your own friend. And then from there, it's a little bit easier to start to pay attention and trust the instincts. But for most of us, it's pretty simple. It's like we need to eat food that has vegetables in it. We need to get sleep every night. We need to get some kind of exercise. So I think that when we get too caught up in the specifics, we actually miss the point that we're doing these things to make us feel better. We're not doing them to actually be perfect. Some people might hear you speak, though, and think, actually, I'd like to give that a go. I'd like to help others. What drove you to become uh, a successful self-care mentor and coach? Well, I, I, because I spent a lot of my life not knowing what self-care was. And I grew up in a family where people didn't take very good care of themselves. And I didn't, I looked at my friends' lives and I saw that their lives were different than mine. And the way that they set boundaries was different than me. And the way they felt about themselves was different. And I didn't accept that. I wanted to change. So I started doing yoga. I started going to therapy. I started taking all these different explorations. And I, I found that when I really took care of myself, my life got better and not only has my life gotten better, but my relationship with my family has gotten better and my, my career has gotten better. And, and so I, I believe that maybe I could help people, but it would take them less time because I had already figured a lot of things out through a very long process of trial and error. Uh, any other particular advice for people, either when they're choosing a life coach or, or others who are considering going down that route for themselves as a career? Absolutely. You should be working with someone that inspires you. But if someone's saying the right things, but they're not, their lives don't feel exciting or radiant or they don't seem like happy people, then they're probably not the right people to work with and to trust your instincts. And I think any coach or any therapist that you work with should be someone who helps you change your perspective, who understands where you're coming from, who helps you change in a small and incremental way, who's encouraging and who doesn't let you hide. <laughs> I think we all have stories that we tell ourselves that um, are self-defeating, and a really good coach or therapist will understand those stories and will, will ask you to become more honest with yourself. Well, thank you so much again for being our own personal self-care mentor this morning and this morning's person. It's been a pleasure having you on the line. It was my pleasure. Thank you for your questions.